You're listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. Hey, it's Old Timey Crimey. I'm Christy. I'm Scott. And I'm Amber. And I'm going to tell them two stories today. Ah. Ooh, doubling down, <laughs> a menage a crime. <laughs> It's two, though. Yeah, well, Menage Trois. Okay, I get it. See, I get it's it. I me see. and then two crimes. <laughs> and I'm fucking them both. <laughs> well, uh, that would be the Denver Mint Robberies. Mmm, minty. <laughs> so, uh, Denver itself, the city, was first established in 1858, and that was the same year that gold was struck at the foot of the Rockies, so I think we can figure out why uh, the, the city was established. Makes sense. You have lots of migration and a population that's fairly spread out. So the currency at the time was actually gold dust. You would carry it around in a little pouch. And uh, if somebody had a scale, they would weigh it. But if there was no scale, then you would measure it in pinches. Oh, Could you imagine how fucked off they would be if their wife washed their pants? <laughs> oh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. A lot of stores back in those days... And I know this because I'm fascinated with the gold rush in California. A lot of stores, right in front of the counter, instead of a hardwood floor, you would stand on top of a grate. So that whenever you took a pinch of gold dust out, a little little bit of it would invariably drop through to the grate. And at the end of the day, they would take out the little grate and pan for gold in, like, the dust of the floors. Oh, my God, that's ingenious, and yeah. wow. <laughs> and I, I can verify, I've known Scott for a very, very long time, and he's actually saved her ass from getting kicked out of a restaurant by knowing all about gold. <laughs> yes, he did. I was there that day. <laughs> that night, I should say. We were late. this close to being asked to leave, and then Scott goes on a gold rant, and they're like, never mind, they're boring. <laughs> <laughs> So at the time, there was definitely a need for coins so as to stop this very um, inaccurate method of payment. So in 1860, the Clark Gruber and Company Private Mint opened. Uh, they would mint $10 gold pieces and other denominations. In about over three years, they minted almost $600,000 in gold. That's almost $20 million in today's currency. So in 1862, Congress established the Denver Mint and the U.S. Treasury bought Clark Gruber & Co. So it now became a national federal entity. So cut to February of 1864, and we have one James D. Clark, a.k.a. Small Bad Jim Clark. Small Bad. Small Bad Jim Clark. Like Strong Bad, Strong Sad, Strong Mad. <laughs> And small bad. Yeah. <laughs> a little, little something for our Homestar Runner fans out there. <laughs> and he is a drifter who has really job hopped enough to make a millennial jealous. Slamming on my own generation. And he's working at the Mint. And he's like, I should rob this place. You know. I've thought I that. <laughs> I, I understand that. Thought. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, I get it. He had a really ingenious plan. Okay. So basically, what is he going to do? At Doubloons the up the butt. <laughs> Pretty close. At, not 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 that bad. But at the end of the day, he was just going to stuff his pockets with as much gold and banknotes as he could and walk out the door. It's so simple. It just might be crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. It just might not work. Damn it! You should have went for the butt, small bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> so small bad Jim Clark does exactly that. 
and he gets $37,000 in gold and treasury notes, which is about $628,000 uh, today. It's not all coins. There are some bars in there in addition to also, as I said, the treasury notes. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to head to Colorado Springs. But within a mile, he's dropping the heavy gold bars. They're just, they, he can't carry them anymore. They're falling out of his pockets. It's kind of hilarious. Then he gets lost east of Denver, which might, he's east of Denver. The thing is, is that Colorado Springs is directly south. It's directly south. I was going to say, that seems like the wrong way. Yeah. So he's walking the wrong way and then like dropping the things he stole because it's heavy. And then he loses his horse. Okay, so small bad Jim Brown is an idiot. Small bad Jim Brown, Jim Clark. Jim, Jim Clark, Clark, my bad. Is, uh, is You're ba small bad. He's small bad, my small bad. He's bad at doing crimes. He is bad at doing crimes. <laughs> so he's captured 25 miles uh, south of Colorado City, which is actually 70 miles south of Colorado Springs. What so this hell? whole plan Jesus. just went way astray. Fucking I don't even Christ. know how he managed to get there. I looked at a map and I was like, what? You accidentally went east and then somehow ended up like like 95 miles south of where you ended, planned to intend to go? What happened here? It's not like, like they had cars, though. It's, it's harder to get. There's a lot more time involved to get that lost. Yeah. Yeah. And so he is captured. He is weeping when he's captured. And the officers, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with, I see nothing wrong with a man crying. They should be able to cry just as much as we should be able if, to cry. If but Small Bad Jim Clark is crying because he's bad at doing crimes. If your name is Small Bad and you've robbed $37,000 and you're fucking lost, you are not allowed to cry. Wow. At that point, you need to punch yourself in the groin for stupidity. They also... And the only way they found him was he was fucking dropping money. They just followed the money. and There won't be much left whenever we find him. Well, I'd like to know uh, what they did with that money because they only recovered $32,850. Somebody had a very nice vacation. Yes, that is $4,500 <laughs> they never found still to this day. If you hadn't come up with that theory, I would say old-timey, crimey treasure hunts. But I, I think you're right. I think the officers just kept it mm -hmm. as they were going along. Like, So they take him to jail. Evidently, everybody was incompetent because he escapes. And eventually someone sees him north of Denver, probably trying to get to Colorado Springs again. <laughs> You'll never look for me where I was. Yeah. Damn it. And they bring him back in. He is tried. He is found guilty and he is sentenced to banishment. I'm thinking that the thought process was if we just send him away, he'll never find his way back. Accidentally, he will. <laughs> Maybe accidentally. Uh, Maybe if he tends to go to like Los Angeles or something, he somehow ends up in Denver again. How did I, I get here? I just picture like him sitting in his living room. He falls asleep in his his chair in like California. He wakes up. He's in the middle of a fucking street in Denver going, How? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> so, uh,. Uh, to this day, now on 17th Street, near where Clark and Gruber was, stands a plaque. It's titled Mint Robbery. February 1864. The first man to rob the Denver Mint was Small Bad Jim, James Clark. The gold bars were so heavy that he began dropping them only one mile away in what is now Cheese Man Park. Mmm. Okay. So weird... Names. There's got to be a story behind Cheeseman Park. Keep going. I'm looking. I think, this I'm up. thinking it's actually Cheeseman and is somebody's last name. 
Uh, six days later, the Desperado was captured 25 miles south of Colorado City. His horse had deserted him, and Jim was in tears. Oh my god, that's why. That's on a plaque. That's on a plaque. His best buddy left him. It wasn't that he got caught. He missed his horse. I understand it completely now. (laughs) (laughs) So that was actually the second story that I found. This is the first story that I found and I thought wasn't quite big enough to really be even an an old tiny crimey. But then I found the other mint robbery and I was like, I'll just tie them together. And um, they actually tie together a little bit more than I expected. So cut to 1922. Is this one medium bad? (laughs) <laughs> uh, medium bad Jim Clark ah real quick here yeah. named after Denver pioneer Walter Cheeseman there we go like there I said I think is. maybe maybe a last name because it doesn't have the second E or the third right. E technically it's just C-H-E-E-S Cheesman Cheesman he's a fancy man so in 1922, the Denver Mint is now located about a mile from where Clark and Gruber was and also from where that fantastic plaque is. I, I love that plaque. <laughs> love Look that at plaque. him cry. Look at him cry. We, we, we will commemorate this. We will commemorate his tears. <laughs> so on December 18th of 1922, a Federal Reserve truck is uh, loading money from the U.S. Mint uh, they get about $200,000 in there, which is $3 million today. It's all in $5 bills. So that's that's a lot of $5 bills. I think it's like $5,000. Um, a Buick pulls up, and there's, according to the Times accounting of that day, four to seven men inside. Most accounts say four, but there's a lot of confusion. Three men hop out, and there's a getaway driver waiting, and maybe there's a couple other men there. And this is... This is not like a nighttime under cover of darkness. It is 10.30 a.m. Breakfast is still digesting. Like, the sun is is not even quite at its apex, but it's probably still pretty bright. And so uh, a quote from the Times, the four members of the Reserve... I'm going to do old-timey news voice, or attempt to. The four members of the Reserve Bank crew had left the entrance of the Mint and were walking toward their machine near the curb. I'm pretty sure their machine is their truck and they were still calling them machines in that day. I'm going to call my car my machine now. No, no, contraption. The contraption. (laughs) The contraption. (laughs) My horseless carriage. (laughs) Their machine near the curb when another car drove up alongside the wire-enclosed money car. Two or three men carrying guns leaped from the car and with a shout of, Hands up! began to fire. Some say they shot at the bank crew. Others think they aimed high at the mint building to terrorize all who might think of interfering. God damn it. If you're in an old-timey crime, you don't say hands up. You get those mittens to the sun, boys. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you say. So basically, the, the, the thinking of the sequence here is guy one runs around the back of the Federal Reserve truck and shoots the guard. Uh, guy two, uh, breaks the window of the truck and grabs the money. Guy one meets up with guy three and maybe a couple other guys and they just go bananas with sawed off shotguns all over the general direction of the mint building. Alarms are going off like crazy. Um, we have, uh, about 50 mint police, which, yum. <laughs> Add some chocolate and that's right up my alley. I was gonna say Easter's just around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're firing back from the windows, uh, from the mint superintendent Robert Grant's account, Quote, I heard a shot, then several. Then the general alarm going on in the mint. Every man picked up a rifle and rushed to the door. End quote. The whole battle lasts about a minute and a half. Just in the transoms above the main entrance to the mint, there were 40 bullet holes. Bullet whores. Bullet whores, yes. (laughs) 
It was uh, reported that one of the robbers took a shotgun round to the jaw. Jesus fucking Christ. The men jump in the car with the money and hightail it out. And uh, they say... They say that one actually jumped up onto the running board and was, like, shooting from there. Like, really, like, badass robber oh, kind of material here. fucking awesome. I really hope it was the guy missing the jaw. Yeah, me it, too. It, it actually, yeah, it, it's, uh... Ah! Yes! Yeah, you're really good. Um, so, uh... As the car gathered impetus, the leader of the highwaymen, standing on the running board, turned toward the government building as if to fire a final volley at the guards. As he did so, Peter Kidinger, a guard who was on duty at the main entrance, fired a rifle at the bandit. He was seen to crumple up on the running board and throw up his hands. He was pulled inside the car by the driver. One eyewitness said he was hit in the jaw. Oh there you go. God. Good job, guys. I mean, it's, it makes the most sense. He's the one who's outside the car. Absolutely. And then he said, let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> so the guard that was actually in the back of the truck, the, the Federal Reserve truck, the one that they shot out, he was his name was Charles Linton. He was mortally wounded. So he died of, of the gunshots. That night, they had every highway guarded. Authorities offered a $10,000 reward. That'd be about $150,000 today. They tracked them to Omaha, to Chicago, to St. Paul, and then they lose them. So on January 14th, 1923, about about three weeks later-ish, they find a getaway car in a rented garage about a mile and a half from the Mint. So they go to all of these places, but really stay close to home, or at least look close to home, because what they find in this getaway car is one of the robbers, Nicholas Chaw Jimmy Trainer. <laughs> That's his nickname. Chaw Jimmy? Chaw Jimmy. Please tell oh, me well, he was the one that shot in the jaw. Yeah. Well, they found his uh, dead, frozen body. So okay. Probably. Yeah. He's probably the one that was hit in the jaw, and he, they either, you know, he was already dead by the time they got there, or they just had to hightail it out of there anyhow, so they left him there because he was a liability at that point. You know, I know you said jaw and not jaw, but I like to think whenever you shoot a man hard enough to knock his nickname away, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Knocked it a couple, a couple letters up the alphabet? Yep. So, uh, after that... The cops start to think that maybe one Harvey Bailey was involved because Harvey Bailey and Nicholas Chaw Jimmy Trainer had worked together before. Now, Harvey Bailey was known as the Dean of American Bank Robbers. He was one of the most successful bank robbers during the 1920s, walking off with over $1 million. And I'm going to find the picture real quick because he totally looks like somebody I would run into in the halls of my university. Wow, while you're doing that, I'm going to show Amber this picture of what happens whenever you squeeze a marshmallow rabbit really small. It turns into Kim Jong-un. Oh my God, it does. <laughs> I mean, isn't that incredible? I'm going to buy marshmallow rabbits. I'm going to make them squeeze down into King... Kim Jong-un. Yes. And then I'm going to put him in the microwave with little fake swords and make them sword fight. There we go. So here he is. Oh my God. He is... <laughs> He's definitely a dean, isn't he? <laughs> he... There is actually this guy on YouTube. Uh, his name... I think his name is Joe Larson, who teaches people how to use 3D printers. You showed us that. Yeah. Maybe that's the guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that looks like him. That does. You were trying to figure out who he looked like. The, <laughs> right. The 3D printing professor. He looks M like the dean of American bankruptcy. Or maybe the 3D printing professor just looks like everybody. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> He's a, so generic. So about a month after that, the Secret Service raids an abandoned hideout in Minnesota. They find $80,000 of the mint robbery money. 
And they also find $73,000 from a robbery that had happened in Walnut Hills, Ohio, pretty close in time to the mint robbery. You just robbed a place in Colorado. You have a ton of money. Don't go to the one place in the United States that's colder than where you are. You go someplace warm yes. and have fun. Some place where like the women wear next to no clothing and the drinks are very cold, but the sun beats down on you and the waves lap at the beach. Not some place where it's like so cold that water freezes whenever you throw it up in the air, which is Minnesota. <laughs> your tears freeze on your cheeks when your horse deserts you. They do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> The authorities are pretty sure um, that both Trainer and Bailey were on the Walnut Hills job. So they're pretty sure that now now it's, it feels like more certain that Bailey was in on this. Bailey would actually continue his career until he was caught in 1933. He got life in prison, was released in 1964, and died in 1979. He was aged 91. So the Dean of American Bank Robbers was actually not small bad at his job. <laughs> I mean, he did eventually get caught, but... I mean, he got life in prison. You're going to, eventually. He got life in prison, then somehow got out. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. job, buddy. Yeah. So, in 1934, the Denver police chief, uh, he issues a statement that they've actually identified all parties involved in the robbery. It was five men and two women, and they had gone to... Y yay equality? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How had nobody noticed the women, though? Well, they, they, they said that five men and two women colluded on the robbery. Oh, okay. So oh. the, 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 doesn't this, the, the two women could have been dressed up as men so as not to attract as much attention, too. I mean, it's certainly possible. Um, but they also may have just been part of the planning, part of the, you know, getting the money to places, part of the, you know, so, somehow part of the overall operation as It's well. the old timies. They made sandwiches. They <laughs> went to jail for making sandwiches for them. Yeah, boys, let me tell you, if a woman ever comes at you with a knife, just throw a piece of bread at her and she'll make you a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> so, uh, the five men and two women had gone to the Minneapolis-St. Paul area Woohoo, my old stomping grounds. <laughs> there you go. And had handed the money over to a prominent Minneapolis attorney, but they never identified him or gave any indication of talking to him, getting the money, none of that. Just a prominent Minneapolis attorney. Only two were said to be still alive at the time. Both were um, already in jail for life for other shit. And the others died um, violent deaths. So... Let's cut to June, 1950. One of the two still alive gets a pardon and is released from the Indiana State Penitentiary. He's, uh, you know, he had been in jail for other shit and never, nobody was ever caught for this. He's living the quiet life on a farm in Kansas. His family is nearby, so that's kind of nice. And uh, the Denver Post wants to do an interview with him. So they, they interview him and he says, okay, so the Denver police chief said that only two of us are still alive out of the whole, you know, seven that did the robbery. But there's actually three. One of them that was in prison with me, and there's one that's still in hiding. He says, if they found me, they ought to be able to find him. The name of the pardoned criminal who robbed the mint and gave this interview to the Post? James Oklahoma Jack Clark. Jim Clark. Fuck. 
<laughs> this wasn't something that I found an article where they connected it. I mm -hmm. found the second robbery, found the first robbery, and then I was getting towards the end of the second robbery. I was like, whoa, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> History doth repeat itself. I know, right? Like two Jim Clarks robbed the Denver Mint. It wasn't necessarily the same Denver Mint, but it probably wasn't the same Jim Clark. I hope not. <laughs> if you think he would have learned his lesson after his horse left him. Well, yeah, and that guy wasn't crying, so I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> yeah. Jim Clarks. I should say my sources for this one are uh, Wall Street of the Rockies. Uh, I spent a lot of time on measuringworth.com, the Denver Post Archive, an article from Nicole Henley on Medium, Wikipedia, and Colorado Restless Native uh, on, on Blogspot by Rob Harrigan. Uh, the article is called One Never Knows Where the Bullets Will Fly. I like that. Uh, so, so yeah. CJFK my... assassination. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That is my kind of crazy, holy shit, uh, old, tiny, crimey. Fucking loved it. <laughs> Thank you. <Great. laughs> Thank you. That was a fun one, too. Indeed. Especially, I love having those little moments of realization. I was like, whoa, <laughs> Jim Clark again. <laughs> so did they ever find the third person, though? Nope, nope. They never found him. They, nobody was ever arrested or charged. or They never even named all the people, as far as I'm aware. So he was the best one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we go from, uh, well, no, it was Jim Clark who was uh, giving the interview. But hey, he managed to get out and, you know, like live a, a decent life on a farm in Kansas. So he was, uh, he was big good, Jim Clark. There he is. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us for this old tiny crimey. Uh, we had a lot of fun learning about bank robbers and weird things where people's names repeat themselves <laughs> so uh and plaques about men crying yes my favorite thing jim little bit clark <laughs> <laughs> i like that so much better <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for joining us and we will see you soon bye